thank you guys again for joining in the HBC News Podcast. As you know, we've been kicking off our 2020 interviews for startups across the country. Uh, I'm happy uh, about this next one. Business is called Black and Bilingual. Uh, Black and Bilingual Apparel is uh, the fashion part to it, which is really awesome. Uh, but yeah, so today let's just hop into it. Uh, like to welcome Black and Bilingual uh, founder and CEO. Hello. Hi, my name is Erica Misinformed Baker, and I'm the founder and CEO of Black and Bilingual Apparel. Black and Bilingual is an apparel company that creates statement pieces for bilingual Black people worldwide, whether that is you, whether you are someone that um, is a native speaker of a language and you also speak a second language or you're just learning a language, we are representative of you. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, I guess for my first, uh, my first question for today would be, why black and bilingual? Why do you see that being uh, an important community to represent and, and uh, touch upon? Well, mainly because, um, well, I personally am black and bilingual, and I realized, like, through a conversation with one of my friends, that you know we always have like these um, statements for everything. Like we have it for hair, we have it for you know, color, like black and proud and stuff like that. But we don't, you never really see anyone speak about like the language aspect of being black. And in essence, all black people are bilingual because we code switch and, um, you know, we just have various dialects and things of that nature that we all kind of understand um, outside of everyone else. So I felt like it was important to create something that represented this unique part of us and shows that like we are not a monolith, like black people are very diverse. People don't think that or tend to not, I won't say they don't, but they tend to not think that. And um, I wanted to show something that could show how diverse we really are. Awesome, awesome, I love it, I love it. Uh, you know, people people typically think, you know, we just speak one language and, it, and it's crazy because in America, you know, a lot of us that, you know, that were, that were brought here, you know, if we have family members that went through the slave trade, right? Like mm -hmm. they spoke various languages when they got here and right. they start separating people to speak different languages and other languages started to emerge, right? Which is a whole nother conversation, but, but yeah, so that's awesome. I like it. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, now for the, for the clothing aspect, I guess, what is your guys's impact that you guys are trying to, you know, provide with the, with the, uh, um, basically, we just want to um, give let people know that being bilingual is actually um, a global skill that can be a very big asset in today's market. Like, for example, um, one of my regular customers, his name is Larry, he lives in Virginia, and he had on a black and bilingual hoodie in a store, like just a regular store. And he was approached by the CEO of a company and asked, the CEO asked him like, hey, you know, what language do you speak? And he told him Portuguese. And he said, well, I would like to offer you a job right here just because he had on the hoodie. Um, I want for the goal that I'm trying to reach is like to let people know, like, 
in this age where we always talk about being certified for this and having the skill set and the specialization for that, knowing a language is exactly that. I personally, my first job out of college was working in Apaca, Florida at a community center speaking Spanish. So I've used my Spanish skills numerous times in the United States and abroad. I sprained my ankle in Cuba and I had to talk to the doctor and I spoke Spanish. So I just want to show like it is definitely a great skill to arm yourself with and I use that through my apparel company. So for example, what we do is, um, you know, people who buy shirts or whatnot, we post videos of them up on our social media sites with them like speaking about what language they speak, they speak some of it, they introduce themselves, they tell what they do and how they got to that point. And it's just very impactful to see like how that type of skill like one encourages other people to to do the same and then two you can just see the pride that people feel about like being able to showcase like this talent and you never know who is looking at these types of videos that's awesome that's powerful no you're, you're definitely right rather it's trade but I, I find that very powerful that you know you were in a situation and you got yourself out of it because you had the necessary skill to speak in that country that you were in, right? Like sometimes yeah. people don't get that. Like uh, I can't speak the best French, but <laughs> I, I learned how to read, which is like weird. Uh, so when I studied abroad in, in France in 2015, I was there with no family. I had some family that lived out there, but they weren't there at the time for the summer. And I had to learn how to get to my destination. I wasn't even living like directly in Paris. I was living in the outskirts. And just when you're in that mindset that you have to sur like survive, but also like, okay, you have to put your skills to the test in another place outside of your norm. I think that's important for black people to know that, you know, having a, a certain skill set in terms of language is important. Um, you know, or exactly. even at least trying with certain people, because sometimes Americans a lot of times don't try in other countries to try to speak the dialect or even try to read. Um, but yeah, so that's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. So do you guys do anything, you know, education wise or anything based like that? Any type, any type of service for your business, so the community? My back, so that's very interesting. My background is I, I'm an educator. Um, so I already just work in that field, but my, I I initially wanted to do like something educational and I guess like I still have that in my heart to do at some point, but for right now, I'm more, I work in very high need schools. So it's like, I haven't really been able to merge that part in yet. I've done like different teach, teach in like lessons and stuff like that, like one-off situations, but as far as something that I continuously do, like for, I, just to give a background, like I work in um, last, the past two years of my um, educational background, I've worked in the poorest, I guess, bottom 5% district in the state of Georgia. So while my business is something that is important, we have to address like very, very like real needs, like, ch ch like child trauma, homelessness, things of that nature. So a lot of the times I um, would have to like do something else. But as far as like my brand and like how I incorporate it into what I do, like all the kids know, like they wear, you know, they ask for the shirts, they wear them, they love it. 
Like um, I was also a part of a community accelerator um, through Emory Business School. It, it's called Start Me. And they have three branches of it, but I was on the Southside Atlanta cohort and I actually won the 2019 um, creative, most creative pitch award and the 2019 for the Southside and the 2019 Pitchatorian Award and the 2019 Community Impact Award. So I do um, use it and I speak about it and I use like my business, you know, acumen to like encourage like the young entrepreneurs that I teach. But as far as like giving like a branch of like education, I think I'll have to wait until I get out of education <laughs> to personally do that because like I said, the populations that I serve are just very in need. That's awesome. That's awesome. Congrats to that. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, it was a very a big deal. It was a very big deal. I worked very hard and I definitely earned that. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. That's good. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of our culture and, you know, uh, they, you know, there's some studies that are coming out where they're talking about, you know, black wealth, you know, being zero, you know zero in like the next 20 to 30 years mm -hmm. uh, how do you see ways of our community combating some of those you know negative type of stereotypes and things like that I think a lot of education one um, because there's so many things out there but I think too we also have to get back to like real group economics hmm. because so many communities practice group economics and it's something that works like Korean, Jewish, you know, whatever practice group economics. And I think that is the only way for us to kind of like respond to the growing wealth inequality that's going on in this nation. Like I can think, so my, my, um, I have a master's in, um, educational advocacy. And one of the things that we discussed and learning about that and the basis of that spoke about, like, you have high context cultures and low context cultures. So high context cultures are like black, black culture, Asian culture, whatever. In these cultures, we are naturally gravitated towards community and group economics. Mm -hmm. But throughout the years, and I guess like just general slavery and just oppression and things that we've had to endure in this nation as black people, we have in a sense, not, not totally, but in a sense, straight further and further away from this high context, further into low context culture. So that's like white culture, basically. Mm -hmm. So like many people have tried to attain what they felt was like success, but in that society that comes with individualism and not with a group mindset so we have to i think get back to the group mindset of some sort whether that be um like I, for example like there's the meme or the story going around social media about the guys that save 50 dollars to obtain like a building oh yeah uh -huh. yeah like the group of friends mm -hmm, yeah. to obtain a building things of that nature you know things like that i think is how like we we're in the best position to do so i think just because of how much things have evolved over time and social media and phones and technology we're in the best time i think to be able to do that and i see a lot of people having these conversations like how can we you know invest together how can we do that and i think that's 
turning it in the right direction. Hmm. Great, great. I would have to agree too. Uh, definitely with the internet, we can leverage our resources uh, more efficiently and, you know, eliminate a lot of costs. Travel is not really included. Like us right now, we're speaking online and doing a podcast that's going to go right. out to various people that they can listen to, right? Like, that's awesome. You couldn't do that. You couldn't create your own type of brand online like that. Like the media, you know, was the only kind of narrative, right? Right. But yeah, right. So I def definitely agree. But yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, for, for in terms of, uh, for, for kids, I guess, what do you really see, you know, I mean, and then even like in our education system, you know, K through 12, what are some ways we can do better to get more black, black kids to be black and bilingual? You know, what's your take on that? Um, so we can start rather young. Like, I know many schools are like immersion schools where they, you know, are completely immersed within like a particular language. But I myself, I was educated by the public school system. So if we're talking about specifically public school, then we can find ways to incorporate, let's say Spanish, Spanish into the everyday practice, starting from a very young level, like elementary. Then when you get to middle school, um, they could provide Spanish class. And a lot of times that's an elective in middle school of some sort or like specials. It's not like a requirement. Um, but we could find some ways to do like a whole like group teaching of some sort like um like for example sometimes like you have groups of people that come every so often to like a class um or just like a school to do like particular activities we could have people that um specialize in linguistics to come and do that same very thing um and then when you get to high school nine times out of ten you're going to have some type of foreign language as a requirement in order to graduate. What I have found, because I work in I work in high school, but I worked at all levels, high school, elementary, and middle. Um, many kids do not see the value in learning a language. Hmm. But it is proven that bilingual children are able, like they their IQ is like a bit higher and they're able to like cognitively um, have higher order thinking skills and things of that nature simply because you're thinking in like two languages. It just, it strengthens your brain to be able to process in other ways, uh, whether it be in mathematics, whether it be in, in um, reading or comprehension and things of that nature. Also, um, what I have found in all levels of education is that many students don't even know like the difference between like a prefix, a suffix, the meaning of words, like they don't even understand what words mean. Like they may know how to read it on the thing like C spot run, but they don't know what that really meant. So language, when you learn a different language, one, like what learning Spanish did for me was I actually understood the English rule better because I had to know how to um, convert the rules in Spanish. And then two, you start to learn like the root of words. Um, because many of the words in English um, are not necessarily like the exact derivative of like the Latin word or whatever. So it helps you to be able to process a lot of things better like when you read it. And so I think that if we started early by incorporating language into um, 
just the everyday curriculum of the students starting from like pre-k by the time they get to be in the 12th grade you would have a different story and you would have a child that's definitely ready to be able to enter the global market that we have and see every single day so true so true that's good yeah i think think kind of on something there like we make it more mandatory and required for them yes. right if not I think it's like a way for them to just, you know, just opt out of it because it's not. Yeah, and many people do. Many people do try to opt out of it or from what I see, like just so many kids, they just, they, they don't, okay, like for example, the, one of the middle schools that I worked in previously, um, the Spanish teacher there ended up leaving because she was frustrated. It was a black woman too. And she said, you know, I really want to like give, these kids the same you know gift that this language has given me but they I can't even get past simple greetings because they don't it's not an interest of theirs hmm. and I don't know it, it, that wasn't specifically on the teacher she was a really great teacher it's just that and I'm not blaming the kids for anything I just think it's the state of the times that we live in in education where like in all subjects many you have to really it's it's almost like a song and dance because the kids are a lot more interested in Instagram and whatever else than it is the, than like the content. So trying to find that balance and then also trying to adhere to the standards that we have to uphold every single day for the state and the government and all this stuff. It's like, it's really hard to find that middle ground. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Then also, I just feel like even just content as itself in school is just changing so much. Like you're saying, that's great that you bring up social. Like, I mean, you see a lot of engaging type of classes where the teacher's involving social media. You know, you make mm -hmm. it some of those that may go viral. Uh, just everything's just kind of moving to where it's online. V some classes are being taught in VR already now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, it's just changing times. Yeah, so it's very, very, very interesting point. I think it's something that's just like, going to be a constant battle probably um so yeah no until we, and ideas come out yeah until we until we change the whole k-12 through system we won't we're going to always continue to stay in this cycle like we so i i wrote a book it's called the learning curve it's found on amazon and basically like what i state in the book is basically like we are running a 1900 year 1900 education system in the year 2020 hmm. like we've changed almost everything that we do for the most part from 1901 until today 2020 but our education system is still highly based upon the assembly line the factory industrial you know complex and all these things and i'm like we we're not even preparing our students for the jobs that are here like we're preparing them for jobs that like we're in like 1970 so and i mean that's just being real like my mom my mom just retired from 43 years of working in government and she got that job right out of college like started working in local government went up to state and then she just retired from the federal government which is awesome because she was prepared for that um go to you know go to college get a good government job be straight for like 30 40 years um we are not <laughs> we, you know so we are not so it's like we have to like really 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 
do a complete overhaul of like this system like it's just and language can do that language can be something that is definitely added because look at how people view language in this country like <laughs> our own president of the united states or whoever he's supposed to be like doesn't even speak about people that speak a different language in a respectable manner so it's like we're not even treating it as something that can be valued more so than it being a nuisance so it's just it's just i hope in the future that we can kind of come to like a point where we overhaul this situation where we can actually prepare our students for more um for for what's actually coming than what has actually been so great 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 point uh definitely they're they're being taught the same type of things that previous generations were taught and we live in a digital age now right which is very scary in a way and also <laughs> a lot of the jobs even right now are in the gig economy and you know contracted work a lot of work is contracted because people don't want to pay employees full benefits let's be real uh, right so yeah it's definitely it's definitely changing time it's not like like you're saying you go go to college, get a good job, live off your pension and your benefits. No, like that's, that's not what's going on anymore. Um, but yeah, for my, for my last thing, this has been great. Like what, what, where can people, you know, how can they support you guys? Where can they, you know, follow you? And then also if you can leave some type of positive affirmation in Spanish, I would greatly appreciate that for the people out there. And, uh, that's pretty much it. And then I'll wrap up. Okay. Um, so, um, you can find me on Facebook at black and the ampersand sign or the and sign bilingual apparel. You can find me on Instagram at, um, black B-L-A-C-K-A-N-D bilingual and the number one. You can go to my website and purchase. Um, some of our apparel and accessories for men, women, women and children um, at black, B-L-A-C-K, bilingual.com. Um, hmm, an affirmation in Spanish. I'm going to keep it old school because <laughs> I've actually never been asked that question before. That's very cool. Um, I'm going to keep it old school. And I'm going to just go with si se puede, because that which means yes, yes you can. Um, because I think so many people feel like they can't do something, or especially in our social media age, people see someone else doing it and they're like, okay, they did it, but I don't know if I can do. It's a lot of ca comparisons going on between people. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm saying Cesar Puede because I know that I can. I, I I built this from a logo and a hundred dollars to pay for the logo. Right. Um, I started in 2016 with just the logo. And in 2017, um, that's when I um just got the apparel and then started to like push it and started to promote it. And I didn't really have like a real plan of action. I just put it out there. And since then, like I've been a vendor at Essence Festival. I've been a vendor at Quantum Nashville. I've met many people. I've gotten to be in this wonderful competitive program through Emory Business School in Atlanta. So it's like, I, I really just started from one idea. Right. And if you can just decide to yourself 
C-step way they, and put your one foot before the other, even if you don't know, even if you feel afraid to do so, then you will accomplish whatever it is that you want to. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm definitely further than where I was. Mm, say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, you guys, you guys heard it from Erica here first, black and bilingual, check them out, Google. Uh, and your book name again, what was it? My book is called The Learning Curve, Creating a Cultural Framework to Dispel the School to Prison Pipeline. If you go, that's a long title. So if you go onto Amazon, you can just type in The Learning Curve by Erica Baker and it'll come up. Okay, awesome. So you guys check that out as well online. HBC News Podcast. This is yes. shout out to FAMU. Go Rattlers. Okay. okay yeah, yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out FAMU. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you guys, as you as you guys all know, you should know too, Erica. We have our HBC Marketplace as well, which is live. We're connecting different HBC business owners. So feel free when you get a chance to check that out, HBCstartups.com. Uh, we'll send you some more information on that. But we're connecting all the different business owners that one of our biggest things this year is we want to get all the different authors from the HBCU community, fashion designers, right? Food products, fashion. Uh, we want everybody to connect, sell, buy, sell, and trade from one another, publish their own content, articles on our marketplace. So it's going to be real awesome rolling this out to all business schools. So as you guys know, uh, this is now episode seven. We've done seven of these this week, you guys. People, it's been awesome. Seven. So basically, we've done one. If you scale it out, we've done one podcast episode every day this week. If we scale it out that way per day. But if you guys are interested, reach out to hbcnewspodcast at gmail.com. We are still interviewing more businesses. We got 43 more on the way within the next month and a half. So you guys keep them coming. And you know, feel free to reach out to us on HBC Startups or HBC Alum. And feel free to join in on HBC News every Sunday. That's our main podcast, 6 p.m. on Sundays, Pacific Standard Time. So all the people on the East Coast, that's 9 o'clock. Uh, and if you can't catch it, check it out Monday on your drive into work. And I see you guys liking. I see you uh, commenting. Now I need to see you subscribe. Thank you again, Erica. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs>